Where have you been? Well, that's why I would because this Cooper. is Amari Cooper. All right, welcome in everybody. It is Wednesday, October the twenty fourth. Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, as always, Steve Bonham. You can catch me on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host Neil Smith at nonsense underscore Neil. Both of us on the Fantasy Life app at Important Nonsense. Neil, how are you doing on this fine evening? Good, good. High score of the week in the Golden League, but yeah, always makes doing the show easier. Uh, <laughs> it's a painful week, painful. Yeah, I know you didn't fare, you didn't fare as well as I did. Uh, I got to tell you, though, I'm looking forward to this Thursday night football game, though. That'll brighten your spirits. That'll brighten your spirits, Steve. So I, mean, I got a stat looking for forward you. to it. I got one for you and for the community. We don't do pigskin pick them on this show anymore, so I got nowhere to put these types of stats. But So as a Texans fan, you'll appreciate this. So the Dolphins, in the Adam Gase era, have never won on Thursday night football. The Adam Gase Dolphins at that time have been outscored 98 to 14. Nice, I like it. I gotta like I gotta like Houston's chances Thursday night football tomorrow. I gotta tell you, Deshaun beat up had me a little nervous, but it's beat up Deshaun. You like that? You like that? Like that? There you go. Like that? Uh, Gonna. Tear apart Brock Osweiler in his home return. Put a all oh, the, uh, the booing. Uh, oh, the booing. Yes, so yeah. much. But he's gonna get his his entire rib cage will be crushed just from the booze alone. And then J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney just running free all day. Ah, uh, ripping him to pieces. It's gonna be so great. Have the punter have to come in as the QB in an emergency situation. I mean, it it makes me uh it makes me not that that stat makes me feel not so great about the doll. About the Dolphins' uh, skill position players in this game, frankly, I don't know what I don't know how else to interpret that. That's I mean, really I don't know thing. what would make you feel good about the Dolphins' skill position players to this point. Well, especially with fast Albert Albert Wilson on IR now, so it's Wilson. all. That's sad. He actually he was fun to watch. Uh, I know he was our guy from yeah. the preseason. They also have Jakeem Grant, who is also fun to watch. So maybe that's something. But he seems yeah. kind of small and injury prone, frankly. Even for even. For yeah, they got Frank Gore. If only they had another running back. Going to Canton, three and a half yards at a time, baby. The football preview. Halfback passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football news. Good news, everyone. Extra, extra, read all about it. And stats. Nerd! You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Biggest news of the week was the Browns. Shipping Carlos Hyde down to Jacksonville for a fifth-round pick. I'm not going to spend way too much time on this, Neil, because I wrote a whole article about it last week. I was in on a lot of the conversation on Twitter and social media. So uh, everybody kind of knows my feelings, I think, at this point, how everybody fares in that. Is there anything you wanted to add to the situation about you know the values of Hyde himself or Chubb, maybe Duke Johnson, Fournette, Yeldon, any of those guys that uh, any takeaways you got from the news? 
So just quickly, I mean, I was, there's not a whole lot to say on Chubb. His ownership potential correctly just shot through the roof. And after that game that he just put down, I believe it was a 14 in PPR off the top of my head, uh, yes. that, that, that did it. I think he's already up to 80% owned, something like that. So Chubb, if you got him, great. You're looking at an RB2 for the rest of the year. I mean, he's going to be predominantly featured, seems like. Uh, I was higher on Duke Johnson until he went out and laid an egg last week. I thought that would help him. But I would say, I mean, running back being so bad and just so thin, especially as we get now into the teeth of the buys, four team on buys this week, six next week, uh, Duke Johnson might be somebody you're looking at, and you could get him dirt cheap, and I got to believe it gets better. Like, I got to. Because how could it get worse? <laughs> like, yeah. He's probably out there on the waiver wire if you're desperate. Something that could turn into something. We've seen him have success in the past. I don't see how the floor could be any lower. So transitioning to Jacksonville. There's, there's no one else in Cleveland you want, and that's really it. Uh, Jacksonville's a little more interesting. Fournette, when he's back and healthy, which – Will, it looks like, be after the bye at this point. Fournette, when he's back and healthy, goes right back to where we always have Fournette. Borderline top 10. You know, you're just going to have to be worried about him being injury prone. Makes it more interesting to actually have a conversation for next year. Where do you rank Leonard Fournette next year? Where do you rank Leonard Fournette's backup next year? Because if you're going to have Fournette, you're going to have to have the backup. Uh, And then we get into where your article kind of treads. Just the... Carlos Hyde, TJ Yeldon, which is, I think, the more interesting thing for right now, obviously. And, I mean, both are going to have value. They're both going to play. And uh, they're both kind of low-end. They're not, I don't want to say low-end. They're both kind of RB2 flex week on week. So Hyde should get the bulk of the actual rushing. And Yeldon will be out there to do the Yeldon things that he's been doing. Just catching passes and running around and he gets some carries and I mean, Yeldon's yeah, value is Yeldon is yeah. better, obviously. Yeah, than, Yeldon, uh, Yeldon greater, standard, but yeah, and I could, you could, I could call it more. It's almost a split, frankly, in uh, in standard. If you know, if you wanted to go yeah. hide, it's probably fine. It's just a question: who do you think finds the end zone every week? And and that's and again, you're saying every, it's just this week because then there's the buy, and then Fournette is back. So yeah, and then when that happens, uh, Carlos Hyde's value goes way down to virtually nothing as he's. I mean, I don't know. Do you think they're going to give Carlos Hyde that many carries? That's the one thing I haven't figured out. Are they going to shift to a three-headed monster? That's the one worry I have with all this, is they're so worried that Fournette is brittle that they're just like, okay, fine. He can't carry that load anymore, and we're just going to have them split that, because then that makes everybody go take a tumble except for Yeldon. Uh, yeah, I, I pointed out in the article, uh, last year when they were having so much success, the Jags were running the ball somewhere in the neighborhood of about 30 times a game. And this year, the year before that, and the year before that, so 2015, 2016, and now, they're averaging about 18 rushes and 40 passes, which have been the big Blake Bortle seasons because they're constantly playing from behind because he's constantly turning it over. <laughs> so uh, my whole argument was, you if you're Doug Marone, especially going in the bye week, you have to see that, you have to make the adjustment, and you have to go back to pounding the ball. Which is why I thought they acquired Hyde in the first place, because they know they can't pound it with Yeldon. And if something happens to Fournette, you have to be able to pound the ball with somebody. And as much as I dislike Carlos Hyde, he can bruise in the middle of the field. Can't really catch, 
isn't no, really versatile. But he can't do the battering ram roll. But he can just run straight forward. I'll give him that much. And he's big enough that he can bowl over a couple of people and get down the field. And that's what they're going to need him to do. And if they go back to the same formula they had, which was 30 rushes a game, and at this point the split throughout the year has been about 70-30 between the primary back and the change of pace back in terms of rushes, assuming Hyde takes the change of pace entirely, you know, that's 10 rushes a game basically, and Fournette would still be getting 20 and would be near the top of the league in rushes per game, uh, which would put him right back in the RB1 conversation. If you're talking about long-term hide other than just a handcuff, uh, I would say probably not. You know, what is he going to do with those 10 rushes a game? Yeah, he might. And, and I just don't think he has it. the explosion to, uh, unless, yeah, unless he vultures a touchdown here or there, I just don't see him having any, any value when Fournette's back on the field. His value is mostly as a handcuff. Yeah, and so you and I see this broadly the same way then, which is it Hyde becomes the de facto handcuff Fournette, who has to be rostered at this point, and that's probably just going to be the case for Fournette moving forward. And so I would say that pretty much, for more detailed analysis at that point, I would say head on down to importantnonsense.com and check out Steve's Carlos Hyde trade impact piece under the microscope section. Meanwhile, Blake Bortles benched in that game for Cody Kessler, speaking of the Jags. I mean, look, he's not guaranteed to remain the starter, but he will get the start this week in London at the very least. If he absolutely piddles down his pants again, I got to believe they're looking to make the change in the bye week, would they not? Oh, that's, I think the writing's on the wall for that. He's going to need to play uh, a near flawless game, I would think, and they need to win. above his weight. They're going to need to win. He's going to need to have no more than one turnover, and that turnover cannot be a fumble. If he fumbles one time in that game, I think that's that's a wrap. They're they're just even if he throws too many, if he throws a pick, they're going to be looking at him like, okay, it depends how he does it. If if it's tipped or something, but yeah, he's going to very and shortly. That goes back to like I was just saying, you got to take the ball out of his hands and rush the ball more. So we'll see how much they feature Carlos Hyde this week because of that. But the situation with Bortles in general, who do you think that affects the most on this roster for fantasy purposes? Running backs, wide receivers, even the defense. I mean, who do you own as a Jags fantasy player that uh, that you're most concerned about or monitoring at least because of the Bortles situation? All the receivers right now are so cripplingly frustrating. There, there is no established pecking order from what I can tell. The numbers mean nothing. That's true, it, but that's kind of been that way all year. I know. That's that's what I'm. That's my point. Is so if you've been playing Jacksonville's wide receivers for any reason, you're probably used to the weird roulette wheel that you're spinning a lot of the time. So we'll see if they make the change moving forward. If Kessler can develop some sort of chemistry, you know what I mean. We've seen Cody Kessler play, by the way. He's looked terrible and competent in those in those time intervals. So I don't know what that's going to do. But he might develop chemistry with one of those guys. So I think that's interesting moving forward. For this week, wouldn't worry about the wide receivers. For me, for running back, I give both guys an uptick because I go with what you're saying, which is they're going to have to change the the formula, and they're going to go back to ground and pound and trying to kill the clock and limiting Bortles interacting with the football at all costs. So what I think is going to happen is that could affect the defense then in one of two ways. It works 
And then I love the defense because they're going to be sitting on that sideline, drinking that teal, just getting some teal and some yellow. <laughs> I like how you went with teal. There. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And then just, just, just absolutely just kicking back. And then they're fresh and running back on the field to just rain the pain. So it's, <laughs> if that works, great. Now, if that fails and they end up having to throw the ball all over the yard again and they're just turning it over like crazy, that's been the, the, the issue with the defense thus far this season. Yeah. Getting beat up out there and, uh, the the problem is the the negative situations you know the fumble yeah. that puts the jags d all of a sudden they're in the red zone and they give up a short touchdown because they're in the red zone like the the yardage is killing them right now uh, yep. how many times have we seen bortles throw a pick and it gets returned to the five yeah and then the and team then... turns right around like that wouldn't have counted against the jags d but then the offense comes out runs a five-yard touchdown and it does you know like Ugh, that is a fantasy killer. So, yes, I agree. As long as he can stop turning the ball over, or Kessler, or whoever, if they stop putting the other the opposing offense in plus situations, it's a good thing for the defense. Well, I think that's how they, they can correct the whole team at this point, yeah. is just, look, we got to start winning these games. we got to start, like, we cannot drop any more games. We're having, we're having a, you know, we were supposed to be like a playoff team. What's going on here? So they're going to have to make some changes, and, I think they're going to try and do some stuff like that. Plus, it's the London game, which is always weird. And then, uh, however, they do it better than anybody else in pro football. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we talk about that. So the they're the least affected by this because they've had to do it so many times, most of those guys. But, you know, we'll have this conversation again at the after this game as they're going into the bye week about the idea of what they might do under a Cody Kessler-led system. Meanwhile... Le'Veon Bell still not reporting. We talked about this last week, that if he didn't report this week, it would be a story. Well, here we are, Neil. It's a story. I, look, I said it before, and I will probably end up having to say it again. Adam Schefter has been completely wrong on this story all season long. Yeah. How many times did we hear, oh, he'll be there for week one? And then he wasn't. And, oh, don't worry, he'll be back by end of September. Oh, okay, he'll be there for week seven. No, I meant week eight. He'll be there for out of the bye. Still not. So, look, again, Bell has to report by week 10 or he can't become a free agent at the end of the year, which is what he wants all along. That, that's what this whole point has been, is he wants to get paid by somebody. So if he wants to get to free agency, which he absolutely does, he has to report to the team by week 10. So with that said, he is coming back. And anyone that says he's not coming back is just... They're, they're panicking a little too much. Oh, my God! Why? A lot of that with the Le'Veon Bell community out there. But they got to calm it down. They're just completely wrong. He will be playing this season. We just aren't certain when. I, I said all along, we said week one. We'll see you in week ten, Le'Veon. Mm. Did we not? We did. We did. Go back, we, check we the We did tape. do that. Yeah. So it's it, – we said all along he would be there in week ten. There was no shot he was coming back before then because why would you? And here we are. Week eight, he's still not back. Why would he come back after the bye? It doesn't make sense. So he'll, I, I guess he'll be back week ten. That's my estimation. You got two more weeks of James Conner, so enjoy it, James Conner owners. Yeah. And then try to well, unload him to the Le'Veon Bell guy. It's, I guess. it's uh, October fifth, by the way, for those of you playing along at home. So if we get to October fifth, which is the start of week ten at this point, November fifth. Excuse me, November fifth. When we get, if we get to November fifth and he still has reported, well, then the story's kind of over because <laughs> he's not playing this year, and we'll do one last kind of send-off to it. But, yeah, that's that's when it is. You can 
feel free to circle back with us at that time because I see no logical reason either why he would show up next week at this point. And it feels like that's just all she wrote on it. It's you're just going to have to deal with him not being on your team if you own Le'Veon Bell for two more weeks. And then we'll see what happens uh, with the trade deadline because that is the only argument that I've heard that makes any sense to me at all, which is what Le'Veon Bell didn't want to do was report this week and then they trade him to a bad situation where he has to go grind it out and or a situation that we're you know you know what i mean like a really terrible thing and right yeah i get so yeah he uh he i think and his agent have identified correctly well the smart play here is we have to report on the fifth but the trade deadline is the 30th so we'll just wait until after the trade deadline and we'll just show up when we absolutely have to. We'll play the minimum amount of games that we have to play and then we're out of town. So I think that's I think that's that's exactly what we're seeing happen in real time. So we will see you more than likely, I would have to believe, Le'Veon Bell, November fifth, when we hear that he reported. Now again, like you said, he had to show up before the trade deadline to get traded. That was part of it. Uh, and since he did not do that, odds are he's not going anywhere. So he'll be a stealer. We kind of know that at this point. And uh, it's possible that because he has to show up by week 10, but after week 8, he could show up next week, theoretically, after the deadline. I just don't know why. Don't know why you would at this point. At that point, you might as well just wait. Don't know out. why you would. feel like you would just take the extra week off just to stay in Miami and keep working out and then show up. Literally when you have to, like, at the deadline. Meanwhile, Raiders made some moves. We'll start with the unfortunate one, Neil. Marshawn Lynch placed on IR because of that injury we mentioned last week. Look, he hopes to be back at the end of this season. He'll continue to work through rehabbing after he had that surgery. He had surgery, actually, uh, before they started their bye week. So he's been working through this. They just put him on IR recently. It wouldn't be till week 16, so not really worth it to hold on to him, especially in redraft leagues. I mean, keeper leagues, probably not either. Again, this is just confirming what we had already talked about. Doug Martin is supposed to get the lion's share of the work here. Jalen Richard, the pass catcher, has been the pass catcher. Uh, the muscle hamster, does he uh, float your boat at all as a fill-in here? I mean, I had him in the waiver column, but that says a lot more about just the desperation that I mean, yeah, exists the, at running back. The position back. is so thin right now, especially with the mega week of buys coming yeah, up. Yeah, you have four, you have ten teams on buy between this week and next week. So, you know, almost a third of the league is going to be off at some point in there. So a lot of people are looking for options, even if you don't feel great about them. So don't really feel great about it, to be honest. I've seen a lot of Doug Martin football. My favorite was uh, Gruden coming out in the media today saying he's a feature back. That's just... Just tickles, just tickles me. It just tickled me. Like it was really funny. Uh, so yeah, not really interested in that. Really more interested in Jalen Richard. Uh, if people haven't caught up yet, the Raiders are bad, really bad, terrible bad, and they're dealing yeah, now a lot of playing from behind. Yeah, so they're going to be they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So Richard for me in PPR especially is the guy that I'd be more interested in because, well, I mean he's just going to have that same job, but he probably gets even more opportunities because of how behind they're going to be uh given the other news that that happened and yeah pour one out for marshawn lynch that's sad because that might be the end of his career 
Yeah, the other news you mentioned, the uh, NFL trade deadline, as we already talked about, is looming, and Amari Cooper has been traded to the Cowboys. First of all, he was <laughs> traded for a one, so Jerry is pretty drunk. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It still makes me laugh. It's, it's just it's, first round pick. Oh, it's viscerally wow. fun. It's, <laughs> yeah, as someone a, who lives here in Dallas, like I said, the radio was okay. Well, if you want to pay a two for Amari Cooper, I could definitely see that he's probably closer in value to a four. But if you have to pay a two to get a position that we're desperate for, I could see it. And then he goes out and spends a one. So good work, Jerry. Vintage Jerry. Vintage Jerry. Jerry is Second. drunk, by the way, and as I pointed out to you, it is not he does not drink wine. He drinks Johnny Walker Blue out of a human skull. I love that human skull part. That was the best. That that got me good right there. <laughs> but uh yeah, second, the wide receivers take longer to incorporate into an offense than any other position. We know this. They have to learn the routes, they have to get a chemistry and connection with the QB before they can really have true value. Josh Gordon is just now starting to pick up with Tom Brady, and it's Tom freaking Brady and the Patriots, all right? So to, to connect with Dak and the Cowboys, I think you're looking at maybe the fantasy playoffs before Amari can have a huge impact for your team, if any. The Cowboys are on the bye week this week, so he will have extra time to learn the playbook and try to get a rhythm going as they head into their next game. But rest of season now... How do you look at the value of Amari Cooper with this news? And then, as you already kind of talked about there, the rest of uh, the Raiders' skill position players. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is a polarizing topic out there right now. Because a lot of people, especially the people that own Cooper, are like, what do I even do with this now? <laughs> what do I, what do I, like, realistically, like, how could it be worse than what it was? Oh, hey, that's how. So, the... Uh, <laughs> For me, it doesn't really do a whole lot. I mean, because for me, it's it's Amari Cooper's issue is not necessarily who's throwing him the football. It's more the hands of stone that he seems to deal with. So, like, he had that one season where he was working with the hands coach and he, like, turned it all around. And then now I just don't – I just don't really buy it. Now, that being said, if I'm like 6-1 and one and I don't have a whole lot of great wide receiver options and I can get Amari Cooper from somebody for 30 cents on the dollar to see if it pans out, I mean, that's a good speculative move. It is possible. Like, there is, there's a, there's a see, range the of outcomes. The unfortunate you know side I mean? effect, though, is that that's kind of the take of the fantasy community here is, well, now he's going to the Cowboys, so better team, better offense – how could it be worse? This is an improvement. The, you know, the, he's on an uptick. I, I got to get me some Amari Cooper. And I think that's the wrong perspective on that, which is why I said immediately, if you've got someone that looks at this and says, wow, what an improvement, I would sell them for the highest possible take you can get on it. Well, that's the other so that's the counter argument to it, because I also saw that. And you're not the only one making that. And that's yeah. totally fine, because if I own Amari Cooper, I'm probably three and four. Or worse, so I will right. I will move Amari Cooper off my team it. to get yeah. something not called Amari Cooper because I'm so frustrated by it that I don't care what it turns into theoretically. So like that's me though. But and then my question to you would then be: You're so frustrated with Amari Cooper being on your team. Where have you been? Well, that's why I would because this Cooper. is Amari Cooper. 
Like, why did you draft Amari Cooper in the first place? Because this is who he is. Why are you stunned? I don't get that. Uh, people don't learn. Why does it not learn, Neil? Why does it not it learn? learn? They remember that one season where he was catching every pass like his hands were made of Velcro. And Yeah, you mean the one season of his career he didn't lead the league in drop percentage. That's it. That's the yeah, one. That one. That's year. that season. Yeah. Yep, that's the season. And they keep thinking it's going to happen again. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just don't see... Like I see a guy yeah, it's more who, the anomaly than it is. Well, I, the trend. I just see a guy who needs a lot of help and like mental coaching and like needs to be working with a hands coach and things like that. Remind you of a guy. It reminds me a lot of like the Des Bryant thing where at the end of his career, when he can't run routes and he can't outrun people anymore because of all the injuries. And he's like, I just started working with a route running coach and I'm sitting here shaking my head like, man, you should have been doing that from like the first day. Why, why is it seven years into your career that we're hearing about this. Like, what are you doing? It's way too late. So it's kind of that kind of thing for me. I've I, look, man. I play in five leagues. I don't know Amari, Amari Cooper in any of them. Like, it's, yep. like, I don't want Amari Cooper. I don't care what price no, that. I don't want do. the frustration. I don't, I don't care the the coach speak that John Gruden says to me in the preseason. It means nothing. At the end of the day, you're dealing with Stonehands Cooper. Yeah. And someone was trying to tell me that okay, it can't get worse. Because look at what he's done. Yeah, he put up three threes and then two games where the 22 and a 28. Yeah, the games so, yeah, he had a couple bigs games and then threes. And they're saying that the you know the floor is going to be so much different. The floor has nothing to do with the Raiders involving him in the offense or Derek Carr passing him the ball. The floor is the ball hits him in the hands and he drops it. It hits his hands and then hits the turf. That's the issue. That's the floor. It hits his hands and then hits the floor. That's his floor. That's the problem. So Amari Cooper not catching the ball has always been his issue. Them integrating him into the offense in Dallas is going to take a couple of weeks. The rhythm is going to have to get there. Dak is not nearly as accurate as Derek Carr, and that's saying I will something. say Dak has looked better Derek the last Carr has three been weeks. Terrible At least season. Dak has looked good the last three weeks, but I think that might be part of why we're having this conversation is that people only remember right. the last three weeks typically anyway, and they've seen Dak go out and put up a 320s roughly in a row, look confident, and uh, and they're kind of, I think, starting to forget the bad Dak that happened, like, all last season and the beginning of and this look, season. You look at anyone that's produced out of the Cowboys offense with Dak, too. It's Zeke running it out of the backfield. It's Jason Witten last season catching five-yard passes just at a high rate, so he was a PPR monster, and it's Cole Beasley catching two-yard passes and running 40 yards with them. That's it. Anyone beyond five yards down the field can't produce in the Cowboys' offense because his accuracy is so bad downfield. That is the problem. So if you're combining an inaccurate QB with a wide receiver who can't catch the ball when it's thrown to him, I don't know how that's going to be better for him. So I, I want no parts of this whatsoever. It makes no sense to me. It makes sense from an NFL standpoint Yeah. that now they've added a threat so that you can't just put eight guys in the box against Zeke. But from a fantasy standpoint, it, it doesn't help Dak, I don't think. And it certainly, if anything, it helps Zeke. That's whose value I think this helps. And he was already a top two running back. So what, what are you really flipping out about there? Like, what, he's going to get two more points a game now? Thanks, Amari. Appreciate it. <laughs> Way to go, Jerry. We did it. We did it. Uh, Jerry wants him that super. Meanwhile, all right, Patriots injuries, Neil. We gotta we gotta get off of that. I just uh, no, because it was just gonna turn into Jerry bashing for a solid thirty minutes of show. Yeah, it was. 
take his helicopter to lunch. Gronk <laughs> misses the Sunday game versus the Bears at a last-minute scratch with his intense back spasms, to quote him himself. He missed Wednesday's practice as well. I think they're just being cautious with it. Given that it's a Monday game, it's certainly worth monitoring, but he should probably be okay for this week. They said it's not a long-term issue. If it comes down to a game-time decision, I don't know who you're going to play, though, because it's a Monday game against the Bills. Last week, Dwayne Allen played 55 snaps in Gronk's place, got approximately as many targets as you and me did in that Ah, game. Ah, good. And Charles Clay is the only other option on the other side, and we saw how horrible Derek Anderson was in that offense. Even playing from behind, nobody on Buffalo has much value in the passing game. So, I mean, if it's questionable Sunday morning, are you playing someone other than Gronk just to be on the safe side? Because if you roll with Gronk and you're not sure, you could be left holding a goose egg. Yeah, and so what I would do is I would... uh obviously monitor the situation as we've already said, you know, that's on you. Make sure you really keep tabs on this. Uh, and what I would probably do is, you know, kind of figure out what my other options are. So if I'm somebody who has a good option at tight end somewhere, like even up into like an OJ Howard, I'd consider it depending on what my matchup is. That being said, if I need, like, I know I need a 30 to win this game. I'm not projected to do very well, for example. Well, then I'm probably going to roll the dice with Gronk. Because if I'm going to get blown out, I'll take the zero. Like, it's it's one of those situations. So, worth monitoring, but I could see a scenario where I would be willing to play Gronk and roll the dice on this. Uh, I suppose you could roster Charles Clay and just start sacrificing goats. Uh, But I don't know that I want to do that. So then here's the other question. He had a 20-something the first week. I don't have it on hand well, for me here. But since then, he had an 8, a 9, a 13, and a 12 in PPR. It has not been a very Gronk-like year. Are you concerned about the big guy, especially with back problems? Yeah, I am. I think Gronk's actually more hurt than they're trying to let on. I think he's actually and, I mean, look, remember we had that whole discussion in the offseason about is he going to retire? I think he's more done no. than he's And that's on. my point. I think he's so done and hurt now to the point where – him being healthy, quote-unquote, is just not Gronk anymore. He's still threatening because he's the, huge, and he can catch relatively The biggest well. thing that worries me about this Monday game, too, is after he's coming off of the back spasms, he may not practice most of this week. It, this could be one of those classic Patriot Bill Belichick things where he's like, oh, yeah, Gronk is active, and he plays half the snaps and doesn't get any targets. Yeah, he's just a decoy two targets for, or Two targets, one catch for you know, eight yards and then doesn't do. Yeah. Or like he plays the first, you know, quarter and a half while it's still a competitive game. And then once they take a comfortable lead, he just grabs some 35 to nothing at halftime. He's done for the day. Yeah. I can see that. So it's a, it's a whole thing with that. I would, uh, frankly, Gronk is one of the players that if I own Gronk, I might be, I might be looking for the off ramp on that, to be honest. And I think I could get something good for it. Uh, with regards yeah, to just the name, the name value. value. Yeah. And tight end is a complete train wreck. So if I do have another good tight end option through some sort of happenstance, I would uh, I would consider trying to move Gronk to get like something good. I think you could get a nice a nice usable piece for that. Sony Michelle was twisted up awkwardly in that Bears game. It looked bad initially. But the MRI revealed there was no structural damage. I still expect that they're going to uh, miss some time here with Michelle. Be cautious with their prized rookie running back. Kenyon Barner got a majority of the looks. 
with Michelle out of the game. Is he worth the add because of the dumpster fire that a running back is right now, or is that just pumping up the value of James White even more? No, I would say uh, in deep leagues, just given as a function of the position, uh, I would be willing to potentially roll the dice. Also, just think about the game script. And, you know, are we really – if we're up 35 to nothing, would I not rather just make Kenyon Barner do it and run the risk that he gets hurt rather than one of the players that I actually really use all the time that I need? So uh, that then it comes down to a question of what do you think Barner can – you know, can turn that into. And that's a much more real question because he hasn't really shown a whole lot. I mean, when he first came into the league, he was basically just running kicks. So he's fine, but I think he'll, he'll get some run. He's probably worth the speculative ad. If you were somebody who was running Sony Michelle and just don't have better options, but to be perfectly honest with you, it's worth it. But I think you could do better. If that makes sense. Do you not agree with that? Yeah, worth the flyer, but uh, I would just uptick James White. He's the only running back I trust in New England as much as you can trust a New England Yeah, James back. White's, you know, beyond reproach at this point. But the waiver wire is not completely barren. There's a few other options that I think might be might pay you out a little bit easier than, than hoping that Kenyon Barner magically falls into the end zone. Meanwhile, speaking of running back injuries, we got to run through these quick. Belial Powell placed on IR with a neck injury. Tough news, tough injury. He's having the neck surgery that could, in fact, be career-threatening. It's similar to what Quincy Inunua had to go through for an extended period of time, but it's thought to be even worse than that. Uh, Regardless of what happens there, his contract up at the end of the year, he's certainly done with the Jets. i got to believe that he'd be moving on to bigger and better things in the offseason if he is able to come back and give it a go. With him out, does this move the needle for you on uh, ranking Isaiah Crowell for the rest of the year? Yeah, pour one out because I don't know how the Jets keep picking up these neck injuries every year. Uh, But a little bit. I mean, it has to because the only other option they have healthy right now is the rookie who did not look great uh, in limited work. I didn't even put him on the waiver column. That's how little – I thought of his performance. I I think it's more Crowell gets pushed more. A little bit. And and then uh, they're hoping they're going to get Elijah McGuire. He can't catch is the problem. No, he can't. But they're going to get Elijah McGuire back in the very near future. And that will reset what's going to happen. Because they're going to, they're going to make Elijah McGuire do a significant amount of this work. It looks like since he's been on IR designated for return, he should be back here in the next few weeks. Delvin Cook likely to remain sidelined through the Vikings. Week 10 bye. Obviously, this hurts those that have been waiting for him to get right for most of the year. It feels like a lost year for him at this point. Long term, though, how does this affect your ranking of him in the future? Uh, he and Leonard Fournette, as we've talked about before, are two of the guys at right back that I think are going to get, you know, they're going to be righted lower next year. They just have to be based on you're going to start building in missed games for these guys. There's just no way you, you can. have to. Yeah, so you're going to have to just build in the fact that these two guys just seem to get hurt at a higher rate than some of their peers. So, And you also have to adjust your draft strategy if you're going to own them. So it's a uh, it's a frustrating thing being a Dalvin Cook owner. So, no. It's a fair point. I mean, you can take a, a, a calculated risk. Like, he could be an upside RB1 if he plays. The, the question is, how much is he going to play? 
And if I'm going to hold on to him, I have to have a solid backup yep. plan. I can't just take Delvin Cook as my one running back and run with it anymore. Same so, thing with Leonard Fournette. You can't yeah, just feel good about, thing. that's Absolutely. my RB1. No, we're not doing that anymore. So for next year, interesting conversations. They, who knows, man? They might th- Those might turn into steals, though, if they fall into, like, third-round territory. Man, you could that, that could be one of those things that pays you out in a huge way. So it'll be polarizing. Sean McCoy leaves the uh, the week seven game after one play ruled out with a concussion. He is still in the concussion protocol. As I mentioned before, that Bills game is on Monday night, so he's got extended time to try to play. However, in a thin week, if he's unable to go, are you going to trust Chris Ivory? Yeah, and he's one of the people, by the way, I think that would be I would rather deal with than uh, than Kenyon Barner in the same game. I would rather Chris Ivory's sure. not good people as we know like but he's gonna get that entire job he's gonna do everything he's gonna be out there the entire game because the bills are gonna have to do something that isn't let Derek anderson throw it so and if he is gonna throw it i bet you chris ivory will catch some passes even though that's not really a specialty but no i'd be i'd be okay if i knew LaShawn with uh, chris ivory as my rb2 if i knew LaShawn mccoy wasn't playing Meanwhile, wide receiver news. We alluded to it earlier. Albert Wilson heading to the IR with his hip injury. He will not need surgery, but Miami giving him the extra time to recover so that he can be back ready to go at 100% next year. Now, he would not be eligible to return this year because they already have two players designated to return from IR. He's droppable in a redraft league. If you're in a dynasty or keeper league, though, are you interested in holding on to Wilson at the right price? Or have you not seen enough? I think the bigger question there is the QB. That's, that, that's what I was just going to reference. What's the quarter? Who's the quarterback next year in Miami? No one knows. So that's really my concern right. uh, with that more than anything about to do with Albert Wilson. We kind of know what he is. He is electrically fast. It's amazing they couldn't get him going in Kansas City, but he is brittle. So I guess the real thing then is dynasty or keeper league. Are you holding on to Albert Wilson? through the offseason to see what they do at quarterback because given the right guy like say they were to add joe flacco given the right guy someone that can throw him a five-yard pass and let him run i there'd be worse pickups you know what i mean he'd certainly be a flex coming into to draft no i'd hold on to him until we knew who the quarterback was potentially but that being said if you absolutely need the roster spot then he would be one of the first people to go if that makes sense yes also one of those people that you could drop now and then pick yeah. up as like a flyer at the end of the season when everybody's kind of not will, paying attention will, and yeah, out of it. Will be able to do that. John Ross will miss a couple weeks with his groin injury. Seems to be haunted by these injuries early in his career. That has always been the risk with big play John. Uh, at this point, is there any – like Tyler Boyd has been pretty consistent this year. A.J. Green a resurgence. You got Uzuma on that offense. Is there any reason to hold John Ross on your roster? Or you just no, I'm good. I'm dropping. Yeah, is that, is that because of his role, or is that just because you don't like? Uh, him? becoming both. One it, initially it was the role, but now I'm getting to the point with it where it's like, okay, this dude's just constantly hurt, and he's not a guy who can play through injury. He's either 100 percent or he's not playing. And yep, I don't care how fast you are when you're when you're at home. It doesn't yep. matter to me. So doesn't matter how fast you are on the yep. couch. So really not interested in John Ross anymore. I feel like if you need a guy who is a deep threat, home run hitter, flyer, there's like I could name three or four other guys that you could either go probably pick up right now. Uh, I mean, hell, if you want that, Jakeem Grant is actually playing. 
Albert Wilson is now hurt. Right. That's a better flyer to me than John Ross. Like if I'm taking flyers on home run hitters, absolutely. Like, so I'm I'm kind of out on it. Seems like you are too. Oh yeah, I'm I'm with you. Under the microscope this week was, of course, I mentioned the Carlos Hyde trade. If you want to check that out again from last week, Carlos Hyde being traded to the Jags. I broke down the Nick Chubb impact, the numbers there, uh, what he should be able to do rest of season and going long term, as well as Duke Johnson, Hyde himself. Uh, the numbers I mentioned before with Fournette and Gelden, all their values, what you should be looking at. And then, of course, shout out, as always, to Aiden at FF Aware Daily Awareness, getting you ready for your daily plays, DFS, this weekend. Welcome back, Aiden. Trust me. Trust? I'm asking you to trust me. For busts. You make any kind of mistake and boom. Players to start. Let a fish be trust or what? Trust your instincts. Players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30! Trust the bus. Start sit for the week. I am trusting Mitch Trubisky. I still don't know how this isn't a thing at this point. Look, they're playing the Jets at home. I get that they should be up early and often in this game. So it's going to be tough to uh, to try to say that, okay, they've been playing from behind recently. That's why he's been throwing up the points. I get it. I get that argument. But the dude's been money. And I, I don't want to compare him to Blake Bortles, but it, it's Bortles-esque what he's been doing. The 20... 16 Bortles, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, when you look at the game film, you look at what he's doing out there, NFL standpoint, not been pretty. A lot of missing wide-open receivers, a lot of missing routes that should be there, missing plays. It's not as bad as Eli yelling at players and blaming them for him overthrowing them. But it's in that version. It's in that territory. The difference is he's actually connecting on some of them. And hitting him for touchdowns and scrambling. How about that 70 yards worth of scrambling for an 8-yard touchdown? It reminds me of much was, more athletic amazing. Eli Manning from like when he was younger. Except yeah. even more athletic. That's that's kind of what it reminds me of. Just hurl it down the field. And if somebody's at the under under of it, you look like a hero. So if, if you've got Mitch Trubisky, unless you have some kind of crazy better option, any week he's out there, I think he's startable at this point. I think he's top 10 QB rest of the way. Ooh, that's a shot call. Interesting. All right. Look at the no, schedule. That's, that's, and that's and what I was going to say. I think with his schedule the, and what they do on that offense, he's, yeah, I think the he's schedule a top 10 is, guy. Like nine, but no, still. The schedule is your, still top 10. Uh, is your friend there, for sure. Uh, speaking of the schedule is your friend, my trust this week, Baker Mayfield. Another fantastic matchup. The Bake. Another week where I have to write about Baker Mayfield on the waiver column. Why won't it breathe? <laughs> it is just so frustrating at this point i cannot express to you by the way i just checked he's still at 40 percent on steve so enjoy writing about that next week uh after he absolutely puts up a 25 against the steelers and yeah i know the steelers always play them tough but i mean i i they their secondary is so bad and they're gonna be up so cleveland's gonna have to throw 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 i like it on a volume he's gonna sprinkle in that rushing that he likes to get you uh, just I'm I'm all about having to play Baker Way, May, Mayfield this week in a week where four teams are on a bye. 
All right, we've got – I can already see from, from your bust coming up here we've got a theme coming in, but I'm going to go with Jameis Winston for my bust at Cincinnati. The Bengals have played strong defense at home. Don't let the one game with Mahomes beating them up on the road try to convince you otherwise. Jameis on the road, not the same as Jameis at home. I think Cincinnati handles business at home, and part of that is shutting down Jameis Winston on the road. Oh, we got a couple themes. You're right. Uh, my bust this week – Carson Wentz at, you can't see me doing air quotes, bad radio, Neil, uh, air quotes <laughs> at Jacksonville in the London game. I referenced this last week. You usually don't want to trust the QBs in the London game. The game script usually goes really poorly, and they've been having issues consistently getting everything moving the right way. They get it going. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. Carson Wentz has put up some good games this year, but I don't like the fact that it's in London. I don't like the fact that it's the super early game, and I don't like the fact that that matchup is horrendous. That is a terrible match. Jacksonville scales out really well against uh, what the Eagles are going to try and deploy. Running backs, my trust, Duke Johnson at Pittsburgh to what you talked about before. Game script will have them playing from behind most of that game, in my opinion at least. On the road, they're going to have to be throwing the ball a bunch. And Duke Johnson is the pass-catching back. Yes, Nick Chubb is getting a more featured role. Yes, he's more involved in the offense. However, Duke Johnson is still your pass-catcher, and in PPR, that always generates points. So Duke Johnson, a guy I'm willing to play as a flex this weekend. That's a good one. Uh, my trust this week, we referenced him a little bit earlier, Jalen Richard at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this has a lot to do with game game script as well, because the Colts should just be throttling uh, the Raiders pretty concretely. I'm not expecting a huge large yardage game from Luck. I'm actually thinking you might get something eerily reminiscent of what you got last week if you were with Luck. Not a huge yardage output, but four touchdowns. And it's because the Raiders are absolutely bad. I don't even really care that they're coming off the bye. Andrew Luck has just been on a tear. So I've got the Raiders getting down in this game and having to throw, throw, throw to keep it going and with Doug Martin probably being ineffective even in what is on paper a decent matchup for him I think you're going to just see Jalen Richard catching dump off passes for most of the second half as they just try to go hurry up and get the ball down the field just to try and stay in the game so Jalen Richard one week I don't mind him uh, my bust Mark Ingram after he had the couple touchdown performance everybody thought he was going to simply just take over and have a huge day and or a huge year sorry and look, last week he struggled a little bit, as the entire offense did for New Orleans. And now you're going on the road to Minnesota, who has been one a top-five team against running backs. So it's a real tough matchup, on the road, tough environment, Sunday night football. Mark Ingram has a role on this offense, we know that. But we still know that the most involved guy, the pass catcher, the guy that is going to get the most opportunity is Alvin Kamara. You know, Mar you know, Mark Ingram is going to be a back-end RB2 for you most of this season, and in a tough matchup like this, he's more of a flex. So I'm lowering my expectations for Mark Ingram on the road this week. Oh, man, Mark Ingram. Oh, that, that whole week with the fantasy life. Anyway, my bust this week, Christian McCaffrey against Baltimore. And I know, I know, you can't really bench Christian McCaffrey. I almost went. You can't really bench was, Christian it's McCaffrey. It's kind of cheating. So, but, you know, you can't really do it. I'm, I'm positive there's nobody, virtually nobody, I should say, 
who's going to be looking at that and be like, yeah, I'll bench Christian McCaffrey for my other awesome options. <laughs> I don't think that's realistic, but I'm not expecting a really good game or a huge game. You're counting on him catching dump off passes and getting very, very lucky. That's what you're counting on because Baltimore has been just crushing the run this season. And they're also very good against defending those little short dump off passes. So you're going to have to not only like hope he gets a bunch of them, but he somehow hits on one and takes it down. So I am not expecting a really big game from Christian McCaffrey and I'm avoiding him in daily and just no, not this week. Don't want any part of that Baltimore uh, defense for my Panthers. A wide receiver, I'm going to trust Christian Kirk against the San Francisco 49ers. Since Josh Rosen has taken over at QB, Kirk has led the team in targets. He has been their big downfield threat as well. He's got a chance to boom at any given moment. And against San Francisco's bad secondary at home in Arizona, I think Kirk has a chance to have the best game of his young career this weekend. The 49ers secondary is horrendous. If so, <laughs> okay, so now we're going to do a thought experiment for my trust. If I took all the names off all the jerseys, if I told you there was a guy who had double digit fantasy points in every game this year, except for one, and he has six or more targets in every game, except for one, and he's got four touchdowns, would you assume that that person is rostered? Yeah, probably. I would think so. I present to you Chris Godwin who you can go have off the waiver wire in a very nice matchup against Cincinnati. I know Steve, they're not going to get, they're not going to get hung out the dry like they did against, uh, <laughs> against the, the chiefs. That's not going to happen again. However, Chris Godwin is putting up those kind of numbers. I don't understand how this guy's not rostered, at, you know, above 50%. I don't know how this, how this is, this has happened. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. He's too heavily involved. And also, I love him to catch a little bunny touchdown in this game at some point because Tampa Bay is not going to put out a huge number, but I don't think they're going to put out like a three. So somebody's going to get some love in this game, and I think it's going to be Godwin because he's got four touchdowns on the year already, and he, even if he doesn't get it to you, even if he doesn't get you that touchdown, if he gets five of those six targets, I guarantee you it's double digits again, and that has value. So I like some Chris Godwin this week and also just moving forward, guy that needs to be owned. Uh, my bust, Alshon Jeffrey, I'm going to – play with this fire one more time yeah, this went well Last this time went i well. tried to do this i got burned pretty well but again as you mentioned it is the london game in jacksonville as we talk in a year in and year out the london games are so inconsistent now last week one of the few games i've actually bet on this nfl season was the tennessee game with uh, the chargers in london because everybody was all over the chargers they were putting all their confidence points on the chargers and i put a two on it and i bet the under which paid and I bet that the Chargers couldn't win it by eight, which paid. Because you, you can't trust the London game. Teams don't know how to travel overseas unless they do it every freaking year like the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yep. Okay? They have a system. They know what they're doing. Remember last year we were talking about how, oh, well, the Ravens have a good we, defense. We had this exact conversation. They're going to go on the road, and they're going to go to London, and then they, they're going to look pretty good, and I think the Ravens can win this in a close battle, maybe 21-17, something like that. And they lost 44 nothing. <laughs> and Mercedes Lewis had three touchdowns, <laughs> and we said those will be the last three touchdowns he scores this season. We didn't know it would be the last three touchdowns of his career, yeah, but, but still, the last we three right. touchdowns of that season, we, were we got right. that. 
technically speaking. So he got blown out on the road. And they were the probably the better team that day. Jacksonville was the better team overall. They kind of turned their season around using the momentum of that game. Can they do that again this year? We'll see. But the Jags over the Eagles in London is one of my upset picks of the week here because they're the team that understands what to do here. Would it shock me if the Eagles won this game 17-7 to because the Jags couldn't get their defense going or couldn't get their offense going? No, it wouldn't. Would it shock me if the Jags won 35 nothing? No. It wouldn't, because it would. we've, we've seen yeah, that story we've seen before. That movie. So, yeah, it just I want no parts of the offense for Philly, because this is not something they do. They've never made this trip. So I I don't trust that they're going to be able to, to understand what they have to do, and the Jags are just going to take advantage of that again and utilize what has somehow become home field advantage for them overseas. Hell, that it's it's part of also why it's like the Eagles have just really been inconsistent as well. So that is that is a thing. Like yeah, they're up and down, and I don't just blew a 17 point lead at home to Carolina last week, and now they're going to go overseas to London, and playing a Jaguars team that plays there every yeah. year. I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of, of of any of it. So you and I are definitely reading that the same way, but. <laughs> And not, and I'm not. I'm gonna go back, and we're gonna do another one real quick. By the way, by the way, just so my bust, Devin Funches, in that same game as Christian McCaffrey, to complete the circuit. No, thank you. Just no, thank you. That is a really terrible matchup for him. He is gonna be draped all over by that Baltimore secondary. I actually think they're gonna try and get Greg Olson going because they're gonna try and put somebody on Greg Olson, but we'll see if that even works out. I I don't have high expectations for the Panthers this week. I hope that's I hope that's coming through loud, loud and clear in this. So avoid Christian McCaffrey. Avoid Devin Funches. You have a much more realistic chance of being able to avoid Devin Funches. Tight end, my trust Ben Watson at Minnesota. I laid out earlier how it's a tough matchup for Mark Ingram, and it is. It's also it's not a terrible matchup though against the secondary. It's been pretty beat up. Xavier Rhodes is also questionable to play in this game, and the linebackers have just been completely out of whack this season. So uh, Ben Watson, they're 26th against the tight end Minnesota this season. It is on the road. They're going to have to generate some offense somehow. He's dominating red zone targets right now. He had the 500th touchdown from Breeze last weekend. He's clearly involved in, in a position that's so thin and you're so desperate ben watson a guy you can have off waivers for nothing and uh, can be a producer for you this week hey i have one of those too because we're going right back to the well on it c j uzama three weeks in a row folks c j write it down write this down write this down he's the only guy left it doesn't matter that he's not good like it's not relevant anymore he's the only guy caught another touchdown last week nobody seems to care Okay, so if you like a guy who's just going to get red zone targets and is involved, uh, I present to you C.J. Uzama. Also, what a great matchup this week against the Tampa Bay secondary that is just completely incompetent. Like, just can't do anything well. So, love it. Love C.J. Uzama again this week. Just keep rolling with it. My bust going right back to the well, Zach Ertz against Jacksonville. Tight end, super thin, yes, but like I said, Jacksonville is already a tough matchup for tight ends this year, as is, you know, at home or on the road. And now you're going overseas, as I already laid out in great detail. So, uh, yeah, Zach Ertz, they're going to try to get him involved, I'm sure, but Jacksonville, 
should just be able to swarm and tear him apart this week. My bust this week, Kyle Rudolph. That's right. We're going back to the well again. I'm the same two people from last week. And I was right, by the way, because CJ Uzama outscored Kyle Rudolph because Kyle Rudolph was terrible last week. And by the way, not an accident. This week, on paper, a lot of people are going to tell you that the Saints is a great matchup because their secondary is so bad. I will concede that to you. However, here's the thing. They actually defend the tight end really well because their linebackers are good. So I'm not super high on it. With Kyle Rudolph, you are even more banking on normal, the idea that he's two for eight and a score, or it's two for eight. And it's, and that's that's what you're looking at this week with Kyle Rudolph, and I'm I'm too afraid of the two for eight. I'm just too afraid of it. Right. Don't want it. Too risky of a proposition. Don't want it. Don't want those problems. All right. Well, there you go. Trust your bus for the week. That's the show this week. So good luck to everybody in week eight, halfway to the fantasy playoffs. Once again, check out everything on the website at importantnonsense.com. You can check me out on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve, Neil at nonsense underscore Neil, Aiden at FF Aware, and all of us on the Fantasy Life app at Important Nonsense. Until next week, everybody, just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Try Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.